like I said, we are starting a, a new series today, and it'll run for the next three Sundays, and then we'll head into August, and we've got another series in mind for that as well. Acts chapter 2 is the anchor scripture that we're going to be looking at. So if you've got your Bibles, have a look at Acts chapter 2 from verse 40. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. It's not just our generation that could be perceived as being corrupt. Generations throughout history had to navigate all of their complexities. Verse 41, those who accepted his message, his message was Simon Peter, who was standing in front of a collection of people declaring the finished work of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is, was the Messiah that everyone had been hoping for, that he was crucified, but that he has risen again, and there is the forgiveness of sins found in him by faith, and there is new life available to everyone. That is the message. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, key passage. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. I want to read to you from Eugene Peterson's version of that passage. And I love how he frames it. This is what he says. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. People in general liked what they saw and every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. That statement, people in general liked what they saw. Those people are not the people who were now in the family of God. Those people were not the churchgoers that would have found themselves in the room with believers, those people that liked what they saw were people who had not yet chosen to believe and follow the way that is Jesus. And so in our time and in our context, we might use language like uh, unbelievers. We might use language as the unchurched. But it's people whom you and I would know personally right now who are not sitting next to us because they haven't yet chosen to step out in faith 
and receive the greatest message of all time, and that is there is salvation to be found in Jesus the Messiah, those people liked what they saw. So we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions, right? Would that be the typical response of a non-church, non-religious, non-believing person in today's day and age? Would they look upon the church and like what they see? And it's an important question to ask. Because when we look at the Bible, the blueprint of the church, there was something going on in that time with those people that those that would be considered outsiders looked in and liked what they saw. So what is it do we think that they were looking at? Well, they weren't looking at a worship service, per se. We can appreciate that. Because if we had to think that it was a worship service that people were looking at, it would be difficult to look at from the outside because you would need to be on the inside of a worship service to look around and like what you would see. So for people driving down the R102 from Shaka's Kral to Amplali or the other way around, they can't necessarily look in and like what they see other than perhaps a manicured garden or a well-looked-after building uh, or, you know, the aesthetics of this beautiful old chapel. And I don't think they were actually looking at one specific thing. I think they were looking at everything, but everything that pertained to everyday life of those that would be believers. The, the people that these believers, we, we see a number, 3,000, so it's a large number of people that are added to the church or to the believers or the people of God. So those 3,000 would have gone about their day-to-day -day life, from their shopping, uh, to their worship, to their interactions, to their heading down to Salt Cafe and buying coffee, to whatever it was. And it was in those small seemingly mundane, typically unspiritual moments that others would have had some form of interaction or at least observation of their interactions and seen something that they liked. Liked so much, were attracted to so significantly that God would now have an open heart to work with that would ultimately see people being added to that group of believers every single day. I mean, can you imagine that? Is, is that our current reality? So we can see something as way of an example that in God is possible. That ultimately God adding, God saving, God at work doesn't always take place in our preconceived ideas. And typically, we become reliant on the collective gathering in an hour on a Sunday. This is taking place every day, everywhere, through every means. And I feel like 
that what the people were looking at and liking, they were looking at and liking what could be defined as the essence of community and God tangibly at work. That they were looking at a group of people and the way that they lived their life was attractive to them because it was a different way of life. It was an authentic way of life. It was a life that was significant and purpose-filled. It was a life that was exuberant and joyful and celebratory and realizing that their context wasn't that their life was good circumstantially and therefore that's why they were full of joy and celebration and exuberance. If anything, they were living in a time of significant oppression that was taking place in a forced manner, in a military context, and therefore circumstantially there wasn't much for people of that time to be celebratory about. But something had happened in these individual lives that now their joy was greater than their circumstance. Where now their celebration was in something beyond what they would see in a natural context, they were celebrating eternity and the kingdom of God and salvation. And people were looking upon this and were attracted to it. They were looking at the essence of community and God at work. So the series that I want us to really speak about for the next three Sundays, heading up to the end of July, is simply life in community. If you just did five minutes of research, you would come to realize that we as human beings are designed, biologically speaking, psychologically speaking, emotionally speaking, to do this life connected with other human beings. That there is everything in our makeup that is conducive to life in community. We are not designed to live life in isolation. And you would come to appreciate that to be in community has significant benefits for us as an individual. Again, across all the spectrums of who we are as a person. And so community is a good thing. We can't argue it. There's no doubt about it. And I would imagine most of us find ourselves in community in different forms. When it comes to our faith, us following Jesus, us growing in our relationship with Christ, Never underestimate the significance of being in community. Like-minded, purpose-driven, faith-filled people. Uh, We were away on, on holiday this last week, and we spent time in the Eastern Cape. We went down to Mboiki, which was the first time I'd ever been down to that part of the Eastern Cape. Beautiful part of the world. It's amazing that in our country, you can still walk on a beach for an hour, just the four of us, and there was not a single soul in sight, like magical part of the world. And then we went down to St. Francis, and we managed to get some days watching the the J-Bay Pro, which is unbelievable. And we rented a house with some friends in St. Francis, and inevitably, as us South Africans do, we have a bride, right? 
And it's always such a cool analogy for me when it comes to community, particularly if you're working with coal. It works in the same principle if you're working with wood. I know that us KZM people tend to be a little bit more coal-oriented. The kind of snobs in the Cape tend to be a bit more wood-oriented. But when you put a bag of charcoal or briquettes down, the worst thing you can do to try and light a fire is to separate all the pieces of coal into individuals, put some fire lighter in a space where no coal is touching, light it, and hope that the fire is going to take. It's just not going to happen, right? What you need to do is you need to take each individual coal and connect it at least to another one or two coals, ensure that the fire is right in the center of that coal, and incredibly over the next few moments, that fire that began in the middle moves its way through the coal to where every single coal is alight and full of energy because it's connected one way or the other to the central bit. And the crazy thing is, is all those coals can be alight and full of energy and, and flame, and all you do is you remove one coal, set it to the side, and disconnect it. Within moments, that one coal has gone out. While all the others are still aflame. And it's a simple analogy, but it's a real analogy when it comes to us, our faith, our following of Jesus. It is imperative to stay connected and do life, spiritually speaking, in community. People together are powerful. And so for us, we have to appreciate that for the church, there is power in people together, life in community. If you find yourself right now a little bit cold, a little bit kind of unenergized, could I suggest to you it's time to get back into the fire, to connect yourself with another person of faith, to connect yourself with a group of people of faith that you would see your life contributing and receiving. But there is power in people together. Life in community. And that's what I feel like people saw at that time. People looked in and saw genuine community and God at work. Now here's the amazing thing, just to give you a little bit of a snapshot about the people group that was the community of the early church. Because we just hear 3,000 people were added and you know what we can tend to do is go towards stereotypes of what ethnicities or skin colors or uh, you know world views, all these kinds of things of and, and we, we put like likeness onto something and we negate the fact that life in community is about individuals coming together, bringing their uniqueness, bringing their variety, and because of uniqueness and variety, the community is better. So in that group of people, if you actually look at the book of Acts from like verse 5, it says this, Now they're staying in Jerusalem were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And then from verse 9, and I'm not even going to attempt to uh, articulate some of these names. You can look at them for yourself. But just to call out, there were 15 specific places represented in that group of people who came to faith in Jesus. 
And if you look at now the modern geographical locations of those places, what you would find was that in that time, those that chose to become a part of the community of faith covered the broad spectrum of humanity. From those with uh, brown skin to peach skin, uh, to those uh, from the male sex to the female sex, to those from uh, children to adults to grannies, from rich to poor, every person represented. And they come together to form what is known as the community of God or the church. Now with that comes some complexities. We have to appreciate. But when I look at the blueprint of life in community, the Bible sets a precedent for us that is to say it is possible for a wide range, a broad spectrum, a multi-colorful group of people to come together and be in genuine community that is so significant that those outside of it looked in and liked what they saw. There are going to be opinions on who we are as a church. Um, There are going to be thoughts, critiques, perhaps even judgments over time about who we are collectively, about who myself and Tam are as the pastors. And I appreciate that there's going to be some harsh words. I appreciate there's going to be some strong truths which we have to overcome. There's going to be some encouraging things, some compliments, and and those things are all great. But if there was ever one thing that I would see as the greatest compliment, it would be people coming to me, perhaps, having observed your life, our community, those that are not yet a part of who we are, believe what we believe, that they could look in and say, man, I like what I see. And let me tell you, that's not going to be because we have like the latest and greatest technology. And I'm not anti-technology, by the way. Um, It's not going to be because we put on like the greatest Sunday experience of church and like, oh my goodness, we have the top vocalists and the most incredible musicians and uh, we have, you know, award-winning coffee and, oh my goodness, isn't the the parking easier to get into than Disneyland in Florida? Uh, You know, like all of those things, like they're good. They're not bad things and it's not... I genuinely feel particularly in this time, this day and age, people are looking to see, particularly in the church, in the people of God. Can these people who profess to believe what they believe actually just live it out in an authentic way? Not a perfect way. Not not like, I actually don't think people outside the church are expecting the church to be perfect. But authentic is key, right? Community is key, right? And in our country, guys, like... um, Having now gone to the Eastern Cape, and if you haven't done a road trip for a little while, just do a road trip, even if it's an hour and a half outside of our bubble that we call the Dolphin Coast. But what you get to see is you get to see like the beauty of our country. And that's not just physically speaking, 
but oh my goodness, we have a geographically beautiful country. And um, I would say we have had the privilege of traveling to a lot of places around the world, and there are not many that rival our country from a beauty perspective. But can I say this as well? As much as we are all aware of the challenge, the strife, the corruption, and let's call it for what it is, the selfishness, uh, all of those things that, that take place in our country, and they do. And there is there's stuff, we all know. We have a country full of beautiful people. Beautiful people. No matter what skin color you are, no matter what socioeconomic background you are, no matter where you've come from, our people are beautiful. So when I think about this country that we get to call home, you know, let, let's bring it right in, locally speaking, okay? I don't think it's a coincidence that we happen to be positioned where we are as a church. We are at an intersection, I believe, of every spectrum of what this Dolphin Coast would represent. From the wealthiest of the wealthy who might have some phenomenal beach homes to the poorest of the poor who might live just across the road. We find ourselves positioned, geographically speaking, in an ideal place for people to come to from all the spectrum. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, if they turn up or if they meet us or if there is any interactions, are they going to look in and like what they see? Appreciating again what society and humanity brings. And here's the key factor, okay? Finishing with this. When it comes to people looking in, liking what they see and being the essence of community, um, it actually all begins in our individual relationship with Jesus. We're not going to strategize our way or pragmatize our way to genuine community. Because if that's the only way that community is going to happen, it would have happened already. And it would have happened everywhere already. You know, if we're solely reliant on our humanness, at some point our humanness is going to be revealed and there is a dark side to that humanness and it can be divisive and cause breaking. And... But if we can become formed by Christ, carry the fruit of the Spirit of God, connected to the source of life, the more we are connected to Him, the more He and His presence permeates through us. And so you would see without a doubt that these people were connected to the source of life. That was the key. And that begins by these powerful words. Three words. They devoted themselves. You see in that passage of Scripture, those who accepted the message were baptized, 3,000 were added, verse 42. They devoted themselves. We are what we are because of what we are. We will become 
what we will become by what we action to become. So everything of what we are right now is simply because of what we are. And so if there is lack, if there is uh, something missing, or if there is uh, opportunity for greater, it's only because of what we are right now and what we are either choosing to do or not do. So I want to ask you two questions to finish. What is the thing that you want most from your church? I want you to get a bit selfish in this moment right now. I want you to think about it. What is it that you want most from your church? Now I want you to think about what is it that you want those that you love when they experience our church to experience? What is it that you want most? And what is it that you want most for those that you love when it comes to our church? Now, what are you doing about it? simple. What are you doing about it? The thing that you want most to receive is most probably the thing that you should be given. Because we only receive from the collective when we choose to, they devoted themselves to contributing. And so that's what I mean by we will become what we choose to become through what we do. So all the perfect, the ideal, the desire, we can write scriptures all over these walls. And we can have cool catchphrases and slogans. We can make cool videos. We can have inspiring music. We can have all the stuff. But unless you and I as individuals choose to give what we desire to receive, it'll just stay on the walls. They devoted themselves. Community, people from the outside looked in, liked what they saw, and God added every single one.